of the amazing grace we have all received. Good morning. Oh, the first group is better. Good morning. There we go. See, it's 10.45. Y'all are awake. You've had breakfast. Well, I'm so excited to have you all here today. Um, it is, uh, it's great to worship the Lord with you. Um, as Shannon said, she covered all the, uh, all the announcements. I just want to remind you of the blue card that's sitting in the seat in front of you. Um, on one side, there's information. If you're a guest, we would love to, uh, to stay in contact with you, uh, to pray for you, um, and just to come alongside your family in any way that we can. On the other side of it is our prayer card. Um, it is a it is truly a pleasure and an honor to uh, to be able to pray for you every week as a staff. Um, if you have a prayer request, please please fill that out, um, and we would be happy to uh, to pray pray for you and pray with you um, in everything that's going on. So that's all I've got for you. Um, y'all can stand up and greet each other. Into our hearts and into our world. Amen. Amen. And 
that's a great reminder of uh, many, 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 many years ago when we had a government that recognized the Lord Almighty and went and prayed to him. Um, I think a lot of us uh, feel like that's, that doesn't happen nowadays. Uh, I know there are some in our, in our Congress and in the walls up there that do still pray. But as a whole, um, it does give us hope that we did have it before. And there are some there that, are, that do it today. But we know that we have a God that can change everything uh, because of that, the birth of that little baby that grew up and, and died for us. Would you stand this morning and let's sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as we look at the hope.
And just as 400 years had passed before the Messiah came, and then on that night when he was born, the heavens exploded with the voices of the angels, the herald angels singing and announcing his birth. So let's join in and and somewhat, um, I know we can't match their volume level, can't match their their excitement. We could match their excitement too because we know what happened from, from that. Uh, but let's sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing and do it with, with a lot of, of life this morning.
pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much that the heavens did open and the angels sang at the birth of your Savior, of your Son, our Savior. Uh, And, Lord, we just celebrate the work that he did. Not that he just came as a baby, but he lived among us. He showed us how to live. He loved us. He healed us. uh, And, God, he died for us. And we thank you so much for that. But it didn't stop there even. He he rose again and is at at your right hand. And we can come to you today with that. Uh, that connection reestablished where we can talk with you, we can share our hurts with you, we can share our joys with you, uh, and God, we can celebrate with you. So as we continue on, Lord, with this next song, Lord, as we reflect on the work of Christ here on this earth, uh, Lord, may you speak to our hearts, uh, and may we be drawn close to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
so much that we have the assurance that we have hope because of what you did here on this earth at Calvary. And God, I pray that as we continue on the service this morning, as, as the choir sings and as Scott preached, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Um, that we wouldn't hear the words of the preacher or the, or the voices of the choir, but we would hear your voice today speaking directly to us, to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Well, come back next uh, Sunday night and we can hear more songs from the choir. Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 will be our text for today. And uh, we're, we're starting a series for Christmas, uh, this being December 1st. I told somebody today, Merry Christmas for the first time. That, that was kind of interesting. I was like, Merry Christmas. I hadn't said that before now. And it's, uh, it's, it's Christmas is almost here. Is that amazing? Nobody's ready, right? <laughs> well, I'm excited about Christmas. We get to celebrate the birth of Christ. And there's some questions that, um, that, that you could ask about this time of the year. And, and hopefully we can... We can answer some of those. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk through a series on Christmas. We're going to answer four questions. Why him? Why her? Why here? And why now? Kind of a question of why Joseph? Why did, why did God choose Joseph as the father of the, the adopted father of Jesus? And why, why did God choose Mary? Why, why here? Why in Bethlehem? And, and why at that particular time in history? Did God choose to bring the Son of God to the world? So we're going we're gonna to walk through those. And, you know, when we say Joseph, the name Joseph, a lot of times our, our minds, maybe yours, maybe not, but mine goes to uh, the first book of the Bible, the Joseph of, of Genesis. And we think of Joseph and his life and how he affected uh, so many people. And now we see, though, this is the Joseph of the first book of the New Testament that we'll talk about. Uh, Joseph, the father, adoptive father of Jesus. And, and we just want to look at some things about his life and, and uh, how his response to the call of God on his life affected him. And I would ask you today, as you think about Joseph, as we walk through the life of Joseph a little bit today and, and ask some questions about Joseph, I, I'd ask you to ask yourself the same questions uh, of yourself. Uh, where, where would I be if I were Joseph and God's still using people today, so where am I in this as well today? So if you have your Bibles, uh, you turn to Matthew chapter 1. Let's stand together and read beginning in verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18, the Word of God says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband... Being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But Keith kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name 
Jesus. Father, we thank you for this uh, day, the, the opportunity that we have to come in your presence this morning. And Lord, just to worship you through, through our singing and worship you through the study of your word. And, and Lord, worship you through the response to your word this morning. God, I pray that as we, we search out this, the scriptures and understand Joseph's life, God, that we would also search out and understand more about ours. And God, that you would bring to light anything in our life this morning that needs to be changed or transformed and, and made new in our lives. So, God, you move as only you can in our hearts. Lord, you've appointed this time for us, and we've come together. And I'm grateful for that, Father. Now, I just pray that you would anoint me uh, with your words, Father, with your Holy Spirit to be able to preach uh, to the people that you love, God, the truths of your Scripture. Lord, guide our lives and let us respond accordingly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So Joseph had a plan for his life. Plans are good. Everybody should have a plan for their life. I, I think it's really important for us to think about our life and where we want to be and where we want to, how we want to achieve in our life. Plans are not bad at all. Um, I, I recognized just recently, I got a phone call from our local school system and my, my daughter was uh, being asked to dress up for a, a day at school, and they were supposed to come as, uh, as what they wanted to be when they grew up. So my five-year-old daughter dressed up as a chef. She wanted to be a chef. And, you know, as a five-year-old, uh, she really probably doesn't have a clue exactly what she wants to be in life. And, and, and there are some of you who are much older than five years old still don't have a clue what you want to be in life. But there's nothing wrong with having a dream and a goal and a plan and, and, and putting to play that plan, at least uh, moving in that direction. And, and Joseph had a plan for his life. Joseph was a carpenter, and by trade, that's what we understand, that he did as a trade. He, he worked as a carpenter. So he was a man who, he worked with tools, and he worked with his hands, and, and he was very physical in his, his career, and he very tangible things that he touched and saw and made, and he probably took great pride in the things that he made with his hands and, and how he brought those forth. And so that, that was really good. And he, I'm sure he had a plan for his life, though, that included uh, some long-term plans. Like, you know, I, I'm going to go marry the woman I love. He was in love with Mary. And, and he, would, he would, was engaged to her and legally bound to her in a contractual agreement. If, if you understand that, is, uh, they, their, their engagement process was much different at that time than ours, but they were bound together under this engagement process, and, and, and he could see, man, I'm going to marry that woman, and, and we're going to go off, and, and we're going to build us a hut, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath, two-chariot garage, and, and everything's just going to work out good, have kids, and we're just going to have a good life together, and I'm going to be a carpenter, respected in my community, I'm going to live my life, and and I'm going to serve God, and we'll, we'll attend church together. And it just I'm sure he had these, these dreams, these visions of how his life would unfold. And uh, nothing wrong with that. He, 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 you know, he was, as I said, engaged to marry. And, and, and to be married at, at a, an appropriate time, probably about a year engagement there that they were engaged. And, and uh, in, in order to be a, a respectable man in the community, and, and Joseph probably wanted to be a respectable man in the community. 
he would find a respectable girl in the community, and he would he would go and he would engage to her, and and then he would keep her pure and and holy, and and, and respect her as his bride to be for that engagement period, and then they wouldn't come together until their marriage day, and uh, that was that was the goal, and and uh, the, you know for. For him, the, the engagement, the, the time of engagement, that wedding, was a little bit different than today, uh, for sure. Uh, he was the center of the wedding. It's pretty different than today, wouldn't you say? I mean, who's the center of the weddings today? The bride, right. So, uh, but, but at that time, the, the groom was the center uh, of, of that ceremony and that time. And, and so it, the focus was on him and, and how he chose that girl, how he, he maintained that relationship with her in, in a good standing before God. Uh, so it was very important to him and uh, the legally bound, and, and they would come to be married. So all of that was a good plan, and that's what Joseph had in his heart and his mind. And, and, and I don't know all the details because we don't know all the details from Scripture about that engagement at that time, but we can see that would probably line up with his plan. What we do know is something happened to his plan. Uh, Mary was pregnant. So that, that really messed up Joseph's plan. That, that was a detour change. And we see in the text of Scripture, as we look at verse 19, we see that, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. So there's a lot in that text, but we see that he was a righteous man. Joseph was a man who was righteous. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that Joseph was a perfect man? Absolutely not. There's not any perfect man that's ever walked the face of this earth outside of Christ Jesus himself. So our Lord is the only one that's perfect, not, not Joseph. Joseph's not perfect, but Joseph is spoken of in the text of Scripture. God spoke about Joseph because every word of Scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable for us to study it. So God, God breathed into the Scriptures, and He speaks into our hearts today that Joseph was a righteous man. That means that Joseph was a man who was in right standing, who sought to be in right standing with God in everything he said and everything he did. So that means that Joseph, when he looked at his life and analyzed his life, he had a direction, he had a trajectory of righteousness. He wanted to be in right standing with God. That meant something to him. It really mattered to him that, that he did what God wanted him to do, lived as God would have him live. That was his focus. i gotta, I got to ask you today, as you sit here right now, as you think about your life, if, if it were to be written of you today... Could, could it be written of you that she is a woman of righteousness or he is a woman of righteousness, a man of white righteousness? Could it be written of you that you are a person that is righteous? I, I didn't say a perfect person. I didn't say a person that's got everything figured out, everything worked out, everything going in the right direction. Obviously, obviously when we look at Joseph's life, we, we know that he was a man who sinned. He, he fell short of the, the glory of God, just as we have. But, but here's what happened. As we understand what righteous is, Joseph, in his desire to be righteous and live in a righteous way, when he sinned, when he messed up, he, he would get it right. He would turn from his sin and turn to his Savior. He would turn to God, and he would ask God to, to uh, forgive him of his sin, and he would desire to live in right standing, not to live in that sin not to continue in the direction that was inappropriate, but to live 
in holiness and righteousness. So let me ask you, can that be said of you? Is that the way you live your life? You, you think about your life. You say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not good with sin in my life. When I recognize that, that an activity in my life is sinful, I want to turn from it. I want, to, I want to get it out of my life. I want, to, I want to move away from that sin. I want to turn to my Savior and gain forgiveness from Him. And I want to live a life that, that is clean. Not, not really concerned about what people think that matters because I have a, a testimony to the world. But the most concern, the greatest concern I have is that, that I'm in right standing with God. My life is lived in righteousness. That should be the heart of every single person in this room today. That should definitely be within the heart that we have as Christians to say, I want to be a person who lives rightly before God. Um, It matters to me what God thinks. It really matters to me what God's Word says. So I'm going to read God's Word, and I'm going to apply the Word of God to my life. It's not just a book that was written for history's sake and and good for me to look at and kind of glance over, but it's a book that I apply to my life. And I live my life to the glory of God and under His direction. So in the righteousness that we see in Joseph's life, just that one statement that God said that, that and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, being continually, he was walking, he was living, he was actively seeking and searching out righteousness in his life. That should speak to us. I want to be righteous. Do you want to be righteous? Do you, you want to live in a way that is honorable before God? That God looks at your life and says, that's a righteous person. That's a person who's seeking and desiring to live in righteousness. So that being said of him, his plan had been messed up. I mean, this picture-perfect ideal life that he had, anybody ever had their plan messed up? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like you had this picture-perfect plan, everything was going hunky-dory, and all of a sudden the wheels fell off the bus? You ever had that happen? Of course you have. We've all had that happen. We, we've, we've been going in this direction, following this after this, and, and, and then everything just changed in a moment. And, and things, things were different from then on. Well, the reality is Joseph's life changed at the understanding that the woman that he was engaged to be married to, contractually to be married to, who was supposed to keep herself pure and holy and righteous before God for him, and he was supposed to do the same for her, this couple that was going to be united at some point in the future, uh uh-oh, she's pregnant. And there's, there's an issue. So in his righteousness, in living the righteous life that he lived, just like us, he had some options. He had to respond to her and her situation. Now, in, a, in a righteous man, he, he, he's not going to be, it's not going to work for him to be uh, married to a woman who's not righteous. So his, his life's going to take a detour at this moment. And in, in, in these options he's got, he can, he can do one of two things. He can send her out legally in that day. He could send her out to be stoned and, and her life be taken from her because she had obviously been unfaithful to their marriage contract and covenant. So that could happen. Or he could, he could dismiss her secretly and just say, you know what, we're breaking this. We're, 
we're ending this engagement process. We're done. I'm, I'm going to let you go on, and, and your life will be kind of distorted and messed up, but I'm going to try to regain my, my personality and my reputation in the community, and, and I'm going to try to prove that I had nothing to do with this, so I'm done with you. And, and the Scripture reveals to us that he chose, being a righteous man, chose to send her away secretly. Not to have her killed, but to send her away secretly and, and just to move on with life. But in, in understanding that and, and seeing that he had a plan, his plan got messed up, it got changed, things, things were different than what he had anticipated because of this pregnancy. His plan was to, to dismiss her, but as often happens... God had a different plan. God had a different plan for Joseph's life. And we see in verse 20, it says, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So God appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, I want you to think about that. Joseph, a man of wood and stone, all of a sudden who could, he was a guy who would always put his hands to things. He'd held the tools. He'd, he'd made things. He could touch. He could feel. He could see. He could physically hold or, or be a part of in life. Now, the, one of the, the most important things in his life is marriage, is, his family life would all have to be not something he could hold, touch, and see and feel, but it was uh, now determined by a dream. So a man of, of, of wood and stone became a man of dream and destiny. It changed. He, he, had to, he had to be a man who, being righteous, could be faithful in his righteousness to the Word of God speaking into his heart. See, see the other thing I didn't say about righteous is when, when a person is righteous, when they, when they live in a state of righteousness, when they are seeking to be right before a holy God, they want God to be in the center of their life. They want to, they want to be in the will of God. They, they recognize when they mess up, they can turn to God and ask God to forgive them, get back on track and live their life according to God's plan. They, the person that's seeking God in that way, seeking righteousness in their life and, and going hard after it, is, is in a position to hear God speak. Can I just tell you, God still speaks today. God was silent, yes, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. For 400 years there, God was silent. But God's not silent anymore. God's speaking. God still speaks into our lives. God, God is still speaking to us today. He speaks through His Word. He speaks to us when we pray. He, he, he speaks to us. But we need to position ourselves, as Joseph did, in a position of righteousness where we can say, I'm not perfect. I recognize that. But, oh, my gracious, I'm seeking with all I have to be in the will of God, and I want to understand God. Because the Scriptures tell us from Revelation, uh, Genesis to Revelation, from cover to cover, we see consistently through the text that God speaks to His people. We see consistently in His text that when we seek Him, we find Him. We can find God. God's not hiding behind some holy huddle and saying, you can't touch me, you can't be a part of me. No, God's inviting us into a very personal, very real relationship, but we have to seek Him. We have to go after God. God's not moving from us, He's not running from us, but He does call us to Himself. 
So we have to seek him. And, and in Joseph's righteousness and, and, and seeing his plan fall apart, he went to sleep. I can't imagine the stress, the strain, the struggle that he was under in his life as he was contemplating what he was going to do to marry, to, to end this and move on with his life. But in that moment, and all that stru- he was able to, to go to sleep, and he went to sleep. And when he did, God spoke into his heart. He said, do not be afraid to take this woman, Mary, as your wife. The, the baby that is inside of her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is a holy child. This is, this is in, in essence, what, he, what God was saying to Joseph through a dream and through the angel of the Lord. He was saying this, all, that, all of this, everyone that's ever been created has looked towards a Messiah coming. All of my text has, has given a revelation that there's a Messiah coming. Everything's pointed to the coming Messiah. And, and hey, buddy... Your, your soon-to-be wife is, is carrying the Messiah. Jesus is coming. You'll name him Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is coming. So he, he dreamed this, and, and this man woke up from a dream. And, and don't forget now, he's a hands-on kind of dude. I mean, he's, he can touch things physically, see it, and make it. And he, he's very tangible in his life. And, and all of a sudden, he has to take this intangible dream, this thing that he can't recreate, can't put his hands on, can't, can't really understand fully. But in his righteousness of seeking the Lord, he knew that God had spoken to his heart. And what did he do? He got up and obediently did what God called him to do. God desires for us to be a part of his plan. And he, he's showing Joseph right here, man, you can be a part of the plan. You can be a part of the plan. And, and don't miss this. An ordinary Joseph, just, just an average, ordinary guy. Nothing extraordinary about Joseph. He's a carpenter. He's like the rest of us. There's not many extraordinary people in this world. In fact, most people that, that are extraordinary don't even know they're extraordinary, okay? That's the mark of a, a person who's really something. They don't realize they are something. But in reality, the, here's Joseph. He's just an ordinary guy. That God's going to take an ordinary man and do something very extraordinary with him. God does that quite often. We see it throughout the entire Bible. He takes ordinary people and with his touch does something very extraordinary in their lives. And it's not just about Joseph. It's not just about Joseph and Mary, the couple. This, this happening, this occurrence will affect all of humanity. Humanity past and Humanity present and humanity for the future. So, so Joseph is, is a man who's now part of the plan, not his plan anymore, but he's part of God's plan. And, you know, I, I guess we have to, to ask the question, being, being that he, he's, he's nothing very special, um, he, there's, there's nothing very particular about Joseph, extraordinary about Joseph, why Joseph? Why Joseph? Well, there was a reason that God chose Joseph. If we were to go back and read the uh, recorded genealogy. How many of you read genealogies? Okay, there's a few of you guys in here that are just strange. I'm just telling you. I mean, just No, I'm just playing. But really, it's, genealogies, I mean, you know, when you go to reading through the Bible and you get to the begats, what do you do? You skip. <laughs> 
fast forward, moving right along. Um, we, we move past that a lot of times. We don't, maybe we don't engage and spend a lot of time reading the genealogies. But this is an important genealogy, so maybe we'll spend a little more time on this specific genealogy. Matthew chapter 1 begins in verse 1 through 17, giving us the genealogy that leads from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way to Jesus. That's probably something I want to, if I'm going to pay attention to a genealogy and chart a tree, I'm going to do this one. So we got, we got this genealogy going on here, and, and we see that there's, there's three sets of 14 generations. There's a, a 14 generations from Abraham to David. And then there's 14 generations from, from David to the Babylonian exile where they are, they're sent to Babylon. And then from Babylon to Jesus, the Messiah, there's 14 more generations. So there's 42 generations that are spoken of here in this genealogy. Did I do the math right? Thank you. 42 generations. That I just want to make sure I did that math right. That was, that was quick up here. So 42 men that are mentioned that... This one was the father of this one, was the father of this one, was the father of this one. But in there, there was something neat. I wonder if you ever picked up on it. But as I was reading, thinking about this sermon this week, and I, I went back and read the genealogy again. Maybe I've seen it before and forgotten it, but there's five women's names mentioned there. You think God did that by accident? No. He mentions five women. I'm not going to tell you the significance of it, but I'm going to encourage you to go read it. And study it for yourself and see that there's something really neat going on here. That God would, in all these 42 men, list the names of five women. So it's something for you to go back and look at. I just want to take a moment and just insert something here. Next year, beginning, well, that's going to be just a few weeks from now. Beginning in January, as a church, we're going to read the Bible together from Genesis to Revelation chronologically. And I'm going to preach through it. We're going to do our, our small groups through it. So it's just going to be a, a fun time where we're all together on the same page, reading the Bible together, preaching about what we're reading about, and, and we'll understand. And we're going to get to the genealogies, and some of you are going to be like, Skip, that was a free day. And now if you'll go back and read Matthew 1, 1 through 17 and pick up on those five women, you may read the genealogies different when we get to that point. You may actually say, there's something in here. God recorded this for a reason, and I'm going to dig a little deeper and try to figure it out. But in, in, in that being said, there's something very important in this genealogy. The genealogy brings all the men's names together to Jesus, to, to uh, Joseph, and, and we get to Joseph in there, and he was from the lineage of David. We see that connection so the adopted father of Jesus, the one who would, would stand in as the human father of Jesus, was in the lineage of David. So Jesus is kind of out, he's out of that line and out of the line of Judah. And, and we see this unfold before us. And it's important that Jesus bring, God brings this, that Jesus comes through that lineage. So what we see is that Joseph had his plan. He did. And God had a different plan for his life. But the most beautiful thing about this text to me is what he does with that plan. So he sees, look at verse 24 with me. We, we've got all this leading up that the angel tells him about the plan. And, and, and then Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Boy, those are important words. 
and did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He, he did what God told him to do. He, he didn't wake up and say, boy, that was a dream. Whew. What did I eat last night? Oh, boy, uh, moving right along. No, he, he woke up and he said, because he was a man who was seeking hard after God to live in righteousness, when God spoke into his life, he recognized it as God speaking. He understood it, and he said, I'm going to get up and do what God called me to do. I want you to see something also about this. We won't go all the way through it, but in the first two chapters of Matthew, Matthew 1 and Matthew 2, we see that Joseph's life was directed specifically by four dreams. He began, I'm telling you, when I say he went from a man of wood and stone to a man of dream and destiny, I'm serious. This man, he became shaped. His life became shaped. His, his future The direction of his life was moved by dreams. God used dreams to speak into Joseph's life. So we see that every time when when God told him something in the dream, he got up and he did it. And and Joseph could not see everything that would unfold. He didn't have the hourglass. You don't have it either. We live more looking back. Would you agree with me? You see things looking back way better than you do looking forward. At least I do. I mean, a lot of things, even when, when good things happen in my life, it may be weeks, months, it may be a period of time down the road before I fully see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that now. That's coming together. Oh, man, God had a hand in all that. That was good stuff. Sometimes I feel like I got something accomplished in life and I recognize later, oh, no, no, you, you're not all that special, boy. God's working. He's moving. He's using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God's still working. He's still speaking in this world. If we're sensitive to hear it because we're seeking him in righteousness. So we, we see here that Joseph responded favorably in a time when, you know, I mean, think about it. Joseph was probably in disbelief. He he had to have had a sense of anger about him. He just found out the woman he's contractually bound to be married to obviously had something happen, and she's pregnant, and he wasn't a part of it. So he, he's struggling. He's got to be angry to some point. He's shocked. He's humiliated. He feels betrayed. All of these emotions are rising up in him. He goes to sleep. He hears the Word of God speak to him, and he rises and does what God called him to do. Because he sees things not from his perspective, not from the world's perspective, which we so often live in. Can, can we just be real this morning? We, we so often live in the, in the perspective of what we can see, what the world sees. But he rose and lived in a perspective that only, only could be seen through the eyes of God. And it would only take how much time he didn't even know how much time to unfold to really realize the full gravity of this. So he, he, he responded in faith. Can you imagine what was going on in his life? Once he grasped, just, just the beginning point. Now, this is the first days. He, he realized there had to be a time when he sat back and said, Oh boy, she's carrying Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel. God with us. Now, that, that had to be mind-boggling as it is. It's still mind-boggling. Why would, why would God enter humanity through a child other than he knew the prophecies that that would lead this way? But really, why? Mary, my wife, why? How? Why would this work out this way? 
God had resources of heaven at his disposal. He could have, he could have come into humanity however he wanted to, to show his kingship and lordship over this earth. He could have done it, but he chose to humbly come as a child through Mary with Joseph being the father. So grasp this now. Joseph is living his life. He, day, two, three days later, I don't know how long, but at some point in time, I had to hit Joseph. Oh, my gosh. She's carrying Jesus. And then it had to hit. I mean, you know, man's always a little bit slower. We, we see everything over here, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm going to be his daddy. I've got to raise the king. I've got, I mean, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to be the adoptive father. I'm going to be the stand-in guy. I'm going to be the one. And it, it just, I don't know how it hit, but it had to hit pretty hard. And I, I can sit back in my own personal life and relate that a little bit because we adopted our third daughter, I mean, our second daughter, our third child, Laura Grace. And so my adopted daughter, uh, she came in our family. Let me just back up just a little bit and kind of show you what it looks like. We, we were blessed with two children biologically. And uh, my second child was born, Sam, and he had some, some health issues when he was first born. And I, I think it was like day four. I know it was day three of no sleep. I think it was like day four of his life. We're, we're at the Medical College of Georgia, and, and they've, got, they've got wires all over him. And, and he's just, he, he would have periods where he'd just stop breathing, and, and that was really scary. So I had him on my chest, and I was just, you know, just enjoying every heartbeat and every breath, you know, kind of deal. I didn't, didn't really know what was going on, still in a state of wonder and what was happening here. And at some point in time, I don't know when it was, I don't even have a recollection of the timeline, I fell asleep. And when I fall asleep, I turn over. I do not sleep on my back. And I've got Sam on my chest, and I'm on one of them hard, you know, just one of them hard benches at the hospital, in the hospital room. And, and there's a hard floor over there. So I roll towards the floor. And if you can just get this picture in your mind, here goes little baby off my chest towards the floor. And I woke up as it was happening, and I grabbed cords. And it went boop, 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 boop. And about that time, because he's hooked all these monitors, there's ladies sitting right outside that are monitoring him. They run in, and this lady runs in, and I'm still in a state of amazement. I'm like, what happened? I dropped my kid, and he hit the floor. And she said, don't worry, baby. We drop them all the time. And that was not comforting at all. And I was like, well, gracious. That, that doesn't happen. I know that doesn't happen. But I think she was trying to comfort me in the moment. And, and I felt horrible. I had, I had rolled over in my sleep and dropped my kid on the floor. I'm like, now I know what's wrong. Okay, I really do. We're, we're 17 years, I know. But uh, so I remind myself when, when he's doing something kind of crazy, I'm like, it's all my fault anyhow. I dropped him. So anyhow, and he, he reminds me of that. But in reality, I know the feeling I felt when I, when I dropped my child. But then let me just tell you, in comparison, I've got an adopted daughter. And, and someone of me kind of owned him and my other daughter because, you know, we were, we were part of this. But when, when I took the adopted daughter into my house, oh boy, things were different. Wow. I felt such a weight, such a huge weight that this is not mine. She's been granted to me as a gift and she's precious. And I'm responsible to raise a child that's not even mine, but I've been given that gift, that privilege, what a, what a privilege it is. But what a responsibility it is to raise this child. 
and, and I protect her, and I care for her, and, and I, I'm probably a little more, um, you know, I get a little more uptight about her and the raising of her and protecting of her because she's been granted to me, and I've adopted her. And I'm, I'm like, okay, Joseph, I, I think I got a tidbit of what you feel because you, you were raising as an adopted father the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I can't imagine the gravity that he felt, but I feel a little bit of it having an adopted daughter. And, and I can only imagine that Joseph sat back and said, Oh, wow, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the father stand-in for the king. I've got to raise this guy. I feel so unable, but it was God's plan. It was God's plan. It wasn't Joseph's plan. It was God's plan, and Joseph said yes to the plan. And, and, and what we see is, is we see that, that heart of response, and he woke up from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he kept her a virgin, and, and he called his name Jesus. So when, when baby Jesus was born, he, this man who had had the physical objects in his hand all of his life, he'd carved things, he'd made things, he had a dream, and he heard God, and he responded rightly because he was a man of righteousness. I, I can't even let my mind get there, but what would have it been like if Joseph would have not responded rightly? What if he'd have rejected Mary? Even though he heard the dream, he just woke up and said, that was a dream, I'm done with that, moved on, and rejected Jesus. And being the stepfather, I don't even know, my mind can't really encompass, I've tried all week to try to get there, try to think, what would it be like, and how would that work out? But not only that, I can't figure that out. But what I can figure out is this. Joseph didn't have to deal with just that. He had to deal with the ridicule. Oh, you know the world we live in. You know what was said behind the scenes. Old Joseph and Mary couldn't wait till they got married. And went off and got pregnant. See, they didn't know the plan. And, and Joseph couldn't tell them because I mean, what's he going to say? Man, I had a dream one night and God said this. They weren't going to believe it. How long would he have to live in that ridicule? Jesus was 30, around 30 years old before he entered his public ministry. And even then, from 30 to 33, how many people really believed him? I mean, they, they didn't believe him enough to keep him alive. They put him on a cross and crucified him. So there, there were people still saying, no, nah, Mary and Joseph, you know? Yeah, right. See, you've got a plan for your life. I've got a plan for my life. And we have to come to a crossroads in life where we say, you know, am I going to live my life doing my thing? Or am I going to live my life yielded to the king? Do I want to live rightly before God? And is it okay if he changes my plan and what I'm pursuing? Is, it, is that okay? And if that's okay, what about what people think? Am I, am I more concerned about what others think? Or am I more concerned about what God thinks? Where am I going to land on this? And, and we've got to get there as a people. We have to, we have to think through this. I, I tell you right now, I pray, I hope for you as, as people in this church that you say, you know what, I want to live in righteousness. I want to live rightly by God. I know I'm not going to be perfect, so when I mess up, I want to get it right with the King. I want to repent of my sin. I want to turn from that. And I want to turn to my Savior and experience His grace. 
I want to live rightly for the king. And it's okay if my plan doesn't work out. I'm okay with his plan because I see history. He has a plan and a purpose for lives, my life included, and he's done really well with a lot of lives. Okay, he's done well with all the lives that were yielded to him. The lives I see that are a wreck are ones that said, don't touch me, God. But when we, when we yield our life to God, he, he does extremely well with our lives. So I, I'm okay, and I hope you'll say, man, I'm good with God, God taking the ship here and, and sailing forward. And I want him to be the captain. I want him to guide my life. And, and I'm, I'm good with that. And you know what? It really doesn't matter what people think. As long as I'm living out what God's called me to do. And I'm moving in the direction, the trajectory that God's got me on. I'm responding. I'm, I'm living in righteousness so I hear from God. I can experience His Word speaking into my life. And I'm going to move forward to do what God's called me to do, regardless of what others think around me. Because it's going to take a little while for the plan to unfold sometimes. Maybe it won't take 30 years in your life. Look how long it took for the Israelites. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. That wilderness, it took 40 years for the plan to come together and really be seen. Okay, so it, it takes time in our life. Don't, don't give up on the journey. We, we talked about that in small group this morning. Don't give up on the journey. We, the end is heaven. The focus of our life, we talked last week about worship. We, we worship rightly when, when, one, we've had personal worship, we've engaged in personal worship, we've moved from personal worship to come together, and, and we collectively worship Him together because we're living out of a lifestyle of worship, not a style of worship. And, and that lifestyle of worship yields us to corporate worship where we collectively worship the King, and, and then we think about we set our sights on what we see in revelation 4 and 5 of that eternal worship that we're going to experience before the king and our lives begin to take new form and we we recognize everything here is not going to be revealed everybody's not going to understand exactly what i'm doing but as long as i'm living in righteousness and focused on following the king and i'm hearing from him i'm going to get where i need to be because i'm going to live my life rightly before the lord now, that, that starts with me saying, I had a plan. My plan's not, not, not nearly as important as God's plan. And I, I'm, I don't always understand the plan, but I'm going to stay the journey. And, and you know what? Joseph could have left this world without leaving a mark. But he humbled himself to the plan of God, and he left a mark. I want to humble myself to the plan of God. I want you to humble yourself to the plan of God and leave a mark. Amen? So, God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Look at Joseph. Never give up because you're ordinary and you don't see anything extraordinary going on in your life. Focus on God. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means if you're sitting here this morning and, and you've, never, you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never said, you know, I'm a sinner and, and I need Jesus to be the lead of my life, then I just want to talk to you today. Dear friend, until you yield your life to Jesus, this isn't going to work out. You're going to be living on your plan. You're never going to experience this plan. It means Surrender. Surrendering your life to Jesus and seeking righteousness as Joseph did in his life. I want it to be said of you that you are a righteous person. But it can't be said of you if you're not living in a righteous way. Which means not perfect, but yielded to God. Surrendered 
So it starts there. It starts with surrender. And then from there, as you're sitting here and you're like, I'm living my life. I'm surrendered to Jesus. I've given my life to Him. But you know what? I'm, I'm really okay with leaving my plan for His and completely surrendering to His plan daily in your life. Daily. And I'm not really worried about what Facebook says about me or what others think about me. I'm more worried about what God thinks about me, that I'm walking the journey that He's got for me. That's what matters in life. So where are you? Where are you in that? You know, if you don't have a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, the only reason you don't is because you haven't said, Lord, save me. Because all that call upon Him shall be saved. And you can have that today. So there's no need to hesitate, no need to wait. Today is the day of salvation. Let's start the journey today. If you're on the journey, then you may say, you know what, I'm ready to just let my plan go and I'm going after His plan because it's a good plan. And, and you know what? I'm going to be a person who continually seeks righteousness. Where are you in that? We're going to have a time of invitation. It's your time. Now, we're going to be up front as pastors here for you. And, and we'd love for you to come tell us if, if Jesus is moving in your life and you're going to get saved today. We want to know that because we want to celebrate that with heaven today. All of heaven's going to celebrate. We want to celebrate with you. If there's something else you need to deal with, these altars are here. It could be anything. But whatever God's doing in your life. Let me just say, God responded for you. He moved for you. You moved for Him. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. Move in our hearts, God. Let us be uh, just recognizing all you're doing. Surrender to you, God, today and your plan for our life. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all you're doing. Move in our hearts at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You move as God leads. We're here for you.
Father, thank you for the spiritual truth that victory comes through surrender. God, that applies to every area in our life, our families, our church family. Surrender to your will. Surrender to your plan that you have for us. What a privilege. God, may we surrender our resources, our time, our talents, and now a time of testing our finances. Take it, use it, bless it for your purposes that Jesus would be glorified throughout the world. It's in his name I pray. Amen. is broken, with billions living in darkness, striving to find hope on their own. That's why we go to sprawling cities, impoverished villages, and war-torn countries. We go because God is worthy of all worship, and we are His missionary people, sharing the only hope for this broken world, Jesus Christ. That is why we go. Since 1845, IMB has helped churches participate in God's global mission. And today, through IMB, churches are sending people from all walks of life to join limitless missionary teams in the rapidly growing global cities and the harder-to-access extremes like deserts, jungles, and war zones. From students to professionals to retirees to full-time church planters, every Christian has a part to play. Your gifts to international missions make it possible for IMB to partner with local churches to equip ordinary Christians to make disciples and multiply churches among unreached people and places. Fulfilling Christ's commission to declare His glory among the nations. House of the Lord, and good to be with you. If you were here as a guest today, I see some faces that I don't recognize, so I'm glad you're here. And if you uh, if you are a guest, I hope you fill out a guest card. I'd love to 
to how I can pray for you. If you want to stop by, I'd love to 